Thank you so much for the work that's put into it. Lots of time, effort, and, and uh, people love to sing, but at the same time, it's uh, the practices aren't as fun, right? To get a, to get it all together and get a group together like that. Great stuff. Tonight's message title is The Greatest Gifts of Love from God. Gifts that we should receive, but not only be the recipients of, but be those that are also receiving from the Lord and, and giving to others and, and reciprocating from what God has given to us. The passage is a passage that I would say is making a point. It's not just the reading of a passage. I want you to kind of focus on, as we read this passage, it's very familiar to you. It is one of the most pointed passages, uh, passages in the scripture in regard to salvation. But I want you to take a little bit for your focus off the salvation and look at the word a give and gifts that is within the context of this passage. Sometimes we overlook in the passage as we look at it for salvation verses. Uh, verse number, uh, start with verse 6 please, 5-6 of Romans. For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us in that we were, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Verse number 12, wherefore is by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. Verse 16, and not as it, I'm sorry, verse 15, but not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one, that of course, Adam, to condemnation. But the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. I love verse number 20. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abound in grace did much more abound. We think of the salvation and we realize that it is a gift of God. Most of the world has not realized that it is a free gift and they just don't grasp the, the gift. And so many are still just believing that if they can go to church or if they can give money, if they're just a decent person, if they're above average, all of these things are going to work to their benefit when it comes to salvation. Tonight we sit in a room of people that know Christ as their Savior. I would say across the, the room I would would believe that everybody's saved. And we understand that it is a gift, but me, in this Christmas season, realize that this is not just a passage of Scripture for the lost. I want us tonight to focus on, on the gift that God actually gave to us in salvation. We receive gifts this Christmas, but nothing like the gift of salvation. You realize that gift brought you from sinfulness to righteousness in the eyes of God? Whoa, who could give such a gift? 
What, what, what possibly could ever happen to transform a man's life from sinful to righteous in the eyes of God? Justification, it's called. You're declared righteous by God Almighty when you trusted his son, Jesus Christ. Oh, oh that's quite the gift. And, and, but what did I do for that? Was, was I this good person that God said, cha-ching, that's one I want? Oh, he's good. Oh, no. No, he figures out something real quick about all of us and that we're all going out of the way. We've all gone astray. There's none righteous, no, not one. And so when we come to this gift, it's not because, boy, I was a good boy, God, and Santa Claus is going to come and he's going to bring me this big gift of salvation. Oh, no, he's not. You're going to have to realize that you are a sinner if you're going to receive the gift of salvation. It's not going to be because you're patting yourself on the back on what a good boy or girl you were this year. And God has blessed you. And now you're going to be righteous in the eyes of God. The gift of God of salvation is a tremendous gift, the price of which we don't even really understand. We know it costs Jesus Christ everything. Just absolutely. Can you imagine it, to have been there and see this bloodbath as Jesus Christ made his way to the cross and then it just continued on the cross to see the nails in his precious feet and hands and then be hung on the cross, accursed of God in our place. What a gift. What a gift freely given to us. Free, free gift. Over, you, over and over you saw it in the passage, free gift. It's a free gift to us that we received at Christ's expense. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, a familiar passage, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Can you imagine if it was works, how that would go? I mean, people would be, when we think of the New Testament, we think of the, just the pompous attitude of the scribes and Pharisees toward Lord Jesus Christ. And, and, and just so puffed up about their religion and, and how Jesus Christ, of course, uh, seemed to be beneath their dignity in some sense. And they would constantly think they could trip up the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I always find that quite amusing that you would try to debate with God. I think there's uh, more, more valuable things you could do with your time than make a fool of yourself. But Jesus Christ always, with the appropriate answer, with these that thought themselves to be so, so good and so pompous in their religion, he gives us this wonderful gift. I found in the, just in the internet how you can look up things quickly now. God says in the word of, in the Bible, the word of God, he uses this phrase, I will. I will. For instance, fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. The next phrase says what? I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Can you imagine 2,407 times in the word of God it says to us, I will. 
what a gift. We receive this salvation from God through our Lord Jesus Christ, death on the cross. And 2,407 times God says, I will do this or I will do that in your behalf. What a gift that God will do for us over and over again, things that are just insurmountable in our lives beyond what we would count or even know that God will do for us. 2,005 times God uses the word given, gave, giveth. 2,005 times where God is giving to us. He says to us, I will, and all these things, but 2,005 times he's just, he's just giving. This is not just a gift of salvation. This is an eternal gift that just keeps giving and giving and giving and giving and giving eternally. Wow. What a gift that gives all that and then never stops. I mean, Christmas Day ended. And, and the gifts that you're going to receive, you have received. Now, you use those gifts. Some of them you will. Some of them you'll say thank you very much and think, boy, what am I going to do with this? Pastor Joel was mocking one of my gifts tonight. I'm going to use that gift. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you what it is because then you'll mock me. Understand that God is just a, a constant giver to us. That gift that we got in salvation that was day one. I mean, that's eternally saved. That's, that's the big one. But it just continues every day, every moment of your life that God is continuing to give to you. And you know, as believers, we should be more aware of it. The constant giving that we are receiving. We are more aware of illness and people in the hospital than perhaps in our life. With, with COVID and so on. This more attention to health has probably taken place in these last, I suppose, couple of years now. But it's just a constant. Doesn't, doesn't it make you just a little more thankful for your health that you have when you see so many people that, and it, we, honestly, it's just one of those things we don't want to know next week or tomorrow uh, where it's going to land. It's just a constant, constant thing that's going on in our lives now. And I certainly I think we ought to maintain you know, our faithfulness to church and our faithfulness to work and the routine of life to, to maintain it without living in fear and doubt all every day of our life. I certainly don't recommend that. But I, what I'm saying to us, though, is we're, we're more aware of the gift of strong health than perhaps last year or the year before that than we were. We're more aware of being able to go and come and do the things our government's kind of brought our attention to, to, to mandates, and we're, we're a little more thankful, a little more wary of the blessings that we have of freedom in our country. We look around the world, we don't see such a thing happening. Mandates are just almost an automatic. And yet we're born in this free country, and we certainly are blessed by what God has given us every day to be in this country, a great gift The Bible says, come unto me and I will give you rest. I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. What a blessing. You'll never go to hell. 
You've been given eternal life. It's a gift that just continues to give throughout eternity. As followers of Jesus Christ, we likewise are to be givers. The season of giving is a bar. It's a season in some senses is over. But it's not a bar that is just about our children and our grandchildren and our immediate family. The bar of giving is much higher than that. As believers, we have received this gift of salvation. And little kids, we used to sing, and I'm sure we still sing this song, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. What is it? We have been the recipient of an unspeakable gift that is unexplainable in its magnitude. But we, we do struggle, don't we, to give that gift to another, to tell another about the gift, to lead somebody to Christ. As our Lord was a constant and continues to be a constant source of giving to us literally every breathing moment of our life, a constant giver. But the gift that he speaks of in Romans is the gift that makes the difference the gift of salvation that brings to us eternal life. May we not neglect telling others about that gift. You say, Pastor, they, they, they reject the Lord. Oh, I know. But it doesn't make the gift diminished by that. Understand? It's, it's a friend of mine over in uh, Bulgaria goes, goes to every home covering the entire nation, every door with the gospel and a New Testament or John and Romans, one of the two, every, every house in Bulgaria they are going to. And he said, it's not about the people. It's about the worthy, the rejection or the people rejecting it. It's about the worthiness of the gospel to be given. It's not about the rejection. That is their decision to make. It's the worthiness of Christ for us to give them the gospel. It's the great gift that we hold, and it's not for us just to hide under a bushel or to keep it for ours. It's a gift that God gave to me. Yes, it is. But it's a gift that he has expectation that we won't just hang on to it, but that this gift that just gives to us every day and throughout eternity, that we will share that gift with those that we love and those that are around us and those that we cross paths with a gift of giving. It's not just Christmas. It is a year-round gift that we should be sharing with others that has no limitations of how many can be saved. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. All can receive such a gift as this. The gift of love is something else that we should be giving. For God so loved the world... For God so loved. Of course, we know John 3, 16, that he gave his only begotten son, and you know it by heart, but God loved us so much. We're, we're clear in this doctrine. We know it. It's, it's not new to us. John 13, 34, and 35. A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another, as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. 
we've received this gift of salvation and we should be sharing it. And it's a great gift that we have. But there's also a gift that we should be sharing. That's a gift of love. We should be loving one another. I would tell you that love starts at home. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loveth the church and gave himself for it. It says in Colossians 3.19, Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. It's a command. Obviously, we love each other as husband and wife, but a specific command in the scriptures we have for husbands to love their wives. And it's a command that we ought to take very seriously. Number one, we should love each other in the church. I'm sorry, number one, we should love our wives at home first, right? Love your wife, love your children. These are important things for us to share with people. You say, Pastor, you kind of hit on husbands and wives pretty often. Yes, I do. My wife's stock went up last year. Amen. And uh, I, you're, you're, you're teetering there. You don't know exactly what's going to be the outcome of the situation. And um, so the stock, the stock rose considerably. My wife, she's doing wonderfully well, as you can see, but I had cancer last year, if you didn't know that. But what, what happened, I, it, the, the awareness of the illness that my wife had Boy, the stock went up. Love your wives, gentlemen. Love your wives. As Christ loves the church and gave himself for it. We as believers ought to be example of love for one another, but we ought to be example for loving at home first. Love your children. Children are going to get on your nerves. They're going to do all these things. But love your children. If you don't love them, who's going to love them? One of the great, great sins in our country is that we have so many children that are unloved, so unloved that we're aborting them. Oh, my goodness. I, I don't know how you can go to that depth that you would love so little that you abort a child. And then the lack of love that we see oftentimes across the country, but not only that, can happen in our own homes too. That we fail to love our children. I wonder how many children would say of their mom and dad, I, I know that my mom and dad love me. Are you, your children very secure in your love? It's important. I would hate for my children to think that their father didn't love them or didn't really, you know, I, I don't know. You know, he never told me or, you know, he really never showed me, extended me too much love. But, you know, he went to work every day. He, he kept a roof over my head. He always I, did everything for me. But I, that, so I think he loved me. Is that the way you want your children to go through life? Do you want your children to be questioning whether or not, you know, you're, you're in their good favor? Not situationally, if they disobeyed, you're not, they're not in your good favor, right? They, at least they, you, they are, but you're helping them. But let's make sure that our families are feeling very loved. The gift of love is so important for us as Christians to extend to our families. And then 
to extend one another the love that we have one for another. Children are our heritage, but when we come to the church, our heritage is new people and new converts and new people that are visiting the church. That is the lifeline of this church. And we've had so many that have visited the church. But believers, can I challenge you tonight? Don't just love those that you've loved for years. Move way beyond that. Can you imagine bringing a new child home? Does that child get a lot of attention when you first bring that child home from the hospital and everybody's coddling around the new child? True story? Focal point of everybody in the family, right? Everybody's dropping everything to help the new child. When you see visitors come in, Ignore your pals. Go after the new ones. You know, you know this, the phrase, and, and you're really good about this. I'm not chastising you. I'm just, I'm just channeling us to stay vigilant in this area and move forward. But it's so easy to just talk with old pals. The, the phrase that is so true, people aren't just looking for a friendly church. They're looking for friends. And one of the great delights of the Christian life is Christian friends. But let's be very, very vigilant, not getting ourselves locked in with people that we've known for years. Have you taken anybody out for dinner that's a new person in the church? If you're new in the church, this message is not for you, Bob. Challenging the believers that have been here. Or is it just about you and your pals? Are you reaching out to people? What, what, what have you done to reach out to somebody that's come to the church that's new? Do they feel like you care? Do they, do they, do they, they, they have you by name? Do they know your name? Have you introduced yourself to them? Have you said, hey, why don't you come over to our house? Or say, Pastor, our house is not fit. We'll make it fit. Nobody's, get, nobody's looking for a mansion. But reach out to people. You say, well, it doesn't work for us. Take them out to eat. But reach out to them as if they're a new child that has great value because that's who they are in this church. They're of great value. They just came in, and I want them to get the kind of attention that you'd give a newborn into your home that's just constant. Every, you see the child needs them, you just run to meet it. Why? Because it's, you have love for that child. And when we see new people come in, if we're going to grow the church, we're going to have to go after them like a new child because they are. They're new in our church, and they're new to the family, and they should be embraced rapidly and regularly, spoiled rotten by the members of this church. And that will make a difference in a growing church and a church that's stagnant, is that when new people come in, they feel the love instantaneously like a child would feel the love of a family instantly. They should be feeling that love from the believers at Gospel Life Baptist Church. And as I said before, you're a very, very, very friendly church. But let's step it up. There's a lot of new people here. They, should, they shouldn't be getting out of this church without several peoples having a conversation with them, finding out about them, finding where they live, where they work, you know, what they like. Um, just let's be very vigilant. 
We're to love one another, but that one another is not just composed of a nucleus. It's composed of everybody that comes in this church that we embrace them and give them great love. We uh, had the privilege of being with our children and grandchildren. They're a heritage from the Lord. My son, daughter-in-law, and my granddaughters um, prepared a meal for Christmas dinner. And Wilbur, you know what that meal was like? It was detailed, it was complete, it was delicious, and I enjoyed every minute of the meal. But you know what the meal really said? We love you. We have prepared a feast because you were coming, and our family was coming, and the effort and the expense and all the details that went into a meal the next day we went to my oldest son's home and again they prepared, we had breakfast. And oh my goodness, I'm not a big bacon person, but I'm becoming a big ba bacon person. <laughs> Man, that bacon was good. I'm thinking, what's happened to me? I didn't care for bacon, but these guys got me eating bacon on Saturdays and man, I, I, I like, wow, that was good. Man, we had waffles. And Oh my goodness, if it's a breakfast food, it was out there. Eggs, and I mean, it was just there. What did it say? Grandma and Grandpa, we love you. We want to give you the best of everything that we can do to make you welcome and to have you here for our, our Christmas celebration. The things that we do should scream to our family of the church, we love you, and we want to do our best for you, and we're going to give our best. John 13, 34, and 35, I read it to you. A new commandment I've given to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. Gospel light, that's a high bar, but that's the command of our Lord, to love one another as he loves us. Let's make sure we're treating each other in such a way that they would feel the love of this church. The bar of Christmas is considerably higher than the bar we set. I hate to take you this because it's kind of, it's gonna be a great challenge for you tonight. Turn over to Luke 6:27. There's a certain level that we're, we're at in life, comfortable with how we behave and, oh, just we're generally satisfied with our Christian life and generally satisfied with the way we treat people, satisfied with things we think we're pleasing God with where we've found ourselves in the station of life and where we landed. Luke 6, 27 through 38. I don't want to say God spoils the party because he doesn't, but he expands the party. Luke 6, 27. But I say unto you which hear, 
Love your enemies. Do good to them which hate you. Bless them that curse you. And pray for them which despitefully use you. Oh, man, I don't like this passage. And unto him that smiteth thee, on the one cheek offer also the other, and him that taketh away thy cloak, forbid not to take thy coat also. Give to every man that asketh of thee, and of him that taketh away thy goods, seek them not again. And as ye would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. For if ye love them which love you, what thank have ye? For sinners also love those that love them. And if ye do good to them which do good to you, what thank have ye? For sinners also do even the same. And if ye lend to them of whom ye hope to receive, what thank have ye? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love your enemies and do good and lend, hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great. And ye shall be the children of the highest. Are we children of the highest? It's not because of our works, but I believe what he's saying here, is this the behavior that will become you as a child of God? You'll be the children of the highest. You're representing God. When this list, not the list of our church family, our kids, our grandkids, our pals, all these things, this list here takes us to a different place. It's not Merry Christmas for all those around me. It's for those that despitefully use me. Christians, that's a higher bar for us than we're accustomed to. We're not going to make that entire bar. But may I suggest this to you. We're on a borderline, and I'm not chastising you because I, I walked the line with you. But we collectively are on a borderline of being hateful towards a lot of people in our country that disagree with us and we disagree with them. And we literally have to be very careful because we start, we start counting them even as enemies. And I don't think anybody would debate me on that. You would agree with me, Pastor, you're, you're right. We, we do see it that extreme. And then God comes along and says, oh, by the way, I want you to love them. Pray for them. Do good to them. Give them gifts. Do good for them. Whoa, I don't want to do that. I really don't want to do that. There's a lot of politicians that I didn't send a Christmas card to. Amen to the uh-oh. Church, I'm trying to push us a little bit tonight. We have been given a gift from Jesus Christ that has transformed our lives. But sometimes we get to a place where we feel like 
we're pretty good shape. And then we come to Luke 6, and we realize we have not arrived. We got a long way to go. If you're new in the church, don't feel like, well, I, you know, Pastor, it seems like everybody's so mature. No, we got to a place of maturity that we're satisfied with, but it's a dangerous place to be. We all should be moving forward. Passages like this rattle our cage a little bit. We can put our Bibles away and don't go back to the passage again till next year. But let's, let's be careful, people. All the gifts that we give to our family and friends and all these things, that's no different than the heathen. They do the same thing. That's not who we are. We're those that don't just give to our best, best buds. We should be giving to those honestly that hate us. And we should be doing good to them. We should be praying for them. And it wouldn't hurt to send them a Christmas card and let them know it. Even if you disagree with them violently, I don't mean physical violence, but attitude, you just violently disagree with them. But can we love those that we really would choose to despise? That's where the rubber meets the road for a Christian. Not that we love each other. That's important. We're supposed to. We're commanded to. But honestly, in this church, that comes very easy for me. This is a wonderful group of folks. But let's push it out. Let's push it out within the context of the church when you, when you see folks come in and you make an instantaneous judgment whether they're going to fit into your friend circle or not. Just, just, can you just blow that thought up and just reach out and love people and bring them in? That's the marker. It's not just how much we love one another within the context of our, our core, but it's that that core grows and expands, and that will happen by the love we have for those that are coming in and bringing them in and loving them as we love one another. Some of you folks have known each other for decades. I'm relatively new here. But just a loving church. But we need to reach out way farther to those that are coming in. And uh, you say, well, Pastor, I don't think I got a lot in common with them. Find something common. Make something common. Heavenly Father, The Bible always convicts us, and thank you for it, because we get to a point where we feel pretty good about ourselves. And then, Father, we come to the realization that the bar is much higher than we decided it to be. The bar is the Word of God. And, Father, we fall very short of your Word. Thank you for it that you keep pushing us in the Christian life to grow and not be stagnant, not be just looking for an easy chair at the church, but a group of people that are constantly seeking to reach out and grow, giving the gospel to people, seeing them come to church, and Father, seeing them grow in the faith and become part of a church family that is very, very loving and kind. But Father, let's reach out more than we ever have before. So many people are in a lonely world looking for love, and Father, this is the right place to find it 
may we make sure they feel it and receive it. Let's all stand together, every, every head bowed, every eye closed.